Thank you so much for joining Hill City Church Online. For more information about how we do life together, you can find us at hillcitychurch.ca. We would love to help you discover your next steps in this journey of living and loving like Jesus. Now stay tuned for another encouraging and inspiring message from Hill City Church. Hey, good evening, everybody. I hope you're doing well. It's Pastor Brian. And man, what a crazy time we are living in to think that, you know, normally on a we'd be meeting on a Sunday morning and uh, to think that we'd be all able to be in one room and now we're, we're connecting over uh, a Facebook Live is just so crazy in such a, um, a small period of time to see this big shift. But one thing I'm so thankful for is exactly what Bonnie just said, is that the church is, is not done. The church is not shutting its doors. The church is li- living and breathing uh, in you and in what God's doing in you. And so I'm really excited uh, to get into the word with you here tonight. Um, I don't know if you were... Uh, if you were on Instagram earlier today, but I threw out this challenge uh, for you to submit your favorite dad joke. And it's like, dad jokes are kind of like a paradox, you know what I mean? Like they're your favorite, yet you hate them so much. They're kind of like, they make you laugh, but they also make you want to vomit. Um, and so I got some beauties here for you just to kind of get some laughter in your heart, get some joy in your heart. Um, what do you call someone with no body and no nose? Nobody knows. Uh, does anyone does anyone need an ark? I know a guy. That's a beauty. That's a good Bible one there for you. You might get it later. Uh, my wife was really mad at the fact that I have no sense of direction, uh, so I got up and write. That's a beauty. Um, today, today, my son asked, can I have a bookmark? And I burst into tears, 11 years old, and he still doesn't know that my name is Brian. I hope you guys are laughing at this. This is really awkward now reading these to an empty auditorium. But uh, I ordered a chicken and an egg from Amazon. I'll let you know. Anyways, my daughter screeched, Dad, you haven't listened to one word I've said, have you? And I thought, man, that's a strange way way to start a conversation. Uh, If you see a robbery at an Apple store, does that make you an eyewitness? That that one kind of really made me cringe a little bit. Um, Okay, so the cashier says, would you like the milk in a bag, sir? The dad says, no, just leave it in the carton, please. Um, When you ask a dad if he's all right, he'll say, no, I'm half left. These are just brutal. These are beauties, but they're brutal. Anyways, uh, two goldfish are in a tank. One says to the other, do you know how to drive this thing? Oh, man, these were so funny when I was putting them together, and they're like, totally not funny right now. Um, yeah, and th- this last one I actually do kind of I do kind of like. It's really good. It says, "Why do you never see elephants hiding in trees? Because they're just that good." Anyways, all right. Hopefully that made you laugh. Hopefully that took a little bit of stress off. Hopefully, parents, you're feeling uh, a little bit of breath of breath of fresh air in your heart. And um, man, um, I'm just excited to get into the word with you here today. I don't know if you caught. Uh, Zane's word this morning on the Hill City Abbotsford page, but it was just so good. He did such a great job just communicating um, just some great principles on how we can grow in our faith. And I'm going to just kind of pick it up. We're going to keep that discussion going tonight. But if you do have your Bibles, we're going to go to Hebrews uh, chapter 10 and verse 39. Um, and this is, and hopefully we're going to have it in the comments there for you. Uh, but it says this, we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones 
We are whose souls will be saved. Another translation says that we are not those who draw back unto unto destruction, but we are those who believe unto the salvation, the saving of the soul. And uh, that's just a really good place to start as we're going to be talking about epic faith. How do we have epic faith? How do we have big faith and uh, faith that reveals just how big our God is? Um, we continue on. We, we need to understand as we look into the book of Hebrews, this letter that's written, um, you may be looking at your Bible and you're going to see numbers, you're going to see chapters, you're going to see all that stuff. But the reality is, is that was not in the original text. So we, when we read Hebrews 10.39, it's meant to go right in to Hebrews 11 and verse 1. And this is, uh, Hebrews 11 is, is often referred to in the church and theologians call it the Hall of Fame of Faith. And um, in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, it says, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Verse 2, through, through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. That, was, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave, gave evidence that he was a righteous man. And God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. And it is impossible, check this out, it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists, and check this out, that he is a rewarder of those who sincerely seek him. See, I find it interesting that Hebrews 11 and verse 6 doesn't say that it's, it's challenging, doesn't say that it's uh, kind of hard, doesn't say that it's difficult. It says that it's impossible to please God apart from faith. And so you need to ask yourself a question, how important is faith in your walk with God? Well, the evidence would say that it's absolutely vital that your faith would be established, but you're also, that your faith would not just be established, that it would be growing, it would be expanding, it would be spreading out, it'd be... um, He'd be working in your lives and creating something in you to build you up in God. Um, a lot of times when we're in we're in in church and we're around Christian culture and stuff, we hear this word faith, and and really the reality is is it's not just wishful thinking. Faith is not just positive a positive outlook. Faith is not just thinking better and and just believing whatever the positive side is of something. Faith is actually, if we look into the Bible, it's this Greek word pistis that means conviction of the truth of anything. It's a strong belief. In the New Testament, it's a conviction or a belief respecting man's relationship to God and divine things. It speaks of uh, a general, um, generally with the idea or the included idea of trust and holy fervor born of faith and joined with it. I, I love it how sometimes definitions of words use the exact same word they're trying to define in the definition. But we understand that this is 
This is like, this is a strong conviction as we read in Hebrews 11 and verse 1 that faith is the substance. That's what it says in the, the New American Standard, that faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the bedrock. It is the, um, the foundation of, of the things that we are hoping for and the things that we are looking forward to in God. Um, you know, years ago in my life, I, uh, I worked as a construction worker. I worked as a carpenter, and we would build uh, custom homes. And there's, that was really a lot of fun. There was this one part that was absolutely horrible, and I hated it every time we had to do it, and it was foundations. It is, it is not pretty. It is not enjoyable. I don't know if you've ever done foundation work. If you are a foundation carpenter, and that's just what you do day in and day out, I want to say you have my respect because it is, a, it is a constant meat grinder every day. Just you're being pushed through this really un, this not enjoyable series of events. You're greasy. You probably smell like diesel fuel because all the, the forms are soaked in diesel fuel. And you're in the mud. You're in all this stuff. But you know what's so crazy? As much as it's not enjoyable, it's the most important part of the house. Because if you don't build a house properly, if you, excuse me, if you don't build the foundation properly, it doesn't matter what's above ground. It doesn't matter what, how beautiful even the, the carpentry and the, all the millwork on the inside of the house is. If that foundation is lacking, if that foundation is not up to code, when, when the storms of life come, because they will come, when the testings of life come, they reveal what's really going on within that house. And... Um, you know, our lives are kind of like houses in a lot of ways. And the Bible in a couple of spaces actually refers to the human life, the human experience, and, and our responsibility and our interaction with God, with what he says, kind of refers to, to it being like a house. And this is actually where Bonnie left off in our the last time we met last Sunday. Um, and it's in Matthew 7 and verse 24 to 27. Uh, Jesus said that, Therefore, any, everyone who hears these words of mine, and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock, built his house on a solid foundation. It says, and, and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house, yet it did not fall for it had been founded on the rock. Its foundation was sure. Its foundation was established. But then he gives this comparison on the other side, as much as there's those who hear the word and obey and apply it to their life and build a strong foundation in their life for God to build up upon in them. There's this other side too. There's this contrasting statement that those who do not hear the word and those who do not apply it to their life are likened to a man who foolishly builds his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. And we see actually in Psalms 127 in verse 1, it says that unless the Lord builds the house, you and I, we labor in vain. In other words, so if God's word is not establishing your faith, if it is not establishing the blueprint, if it is not laying even a foundation in your life, all the work that you are doing above ground, trying to look right, trying to do right, when the storms of life come, will examine where you and I are at, and it will be a great fall. Not like a good fall, not like, hey, that was an awesome fall. It will be a bad scene. 
But just remember, just like we read in Hebrews 10, verse 39, we're not those. Come on, if you're in Jesus, you're not those who draw back. You're not those who are destined for destruction. You are those who are destined for the salvation and the working and the healing and the transformation of our souls to be conformed more and more to the image of Jesus and to express him in the life that we live. If you're in Jesus, you're not destined for destruction. You're destined for eternal life. And you're destined for that that transforming work in your life. So we've we've understood that faith is this conviction. It's this this confidence, this holy confidence in God. It's this foundation that is is sure and established that, that allows God to build things, build his character upon who we are. Um, so the next question to ask that now we've answered what faith is, how do we get more of it? If it's good, if it's something that we need and we need to have a sure foundation, we need to ask that next question. How do we get more of it? Well, in... Um, Oh my gosh, here we go. Romans 10, I lost my place there. Romans 10 and verse 17, it says that faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. I want you to know that this word hearing is not actually just referring to you physically hearing a word. It is actually speaking to something far greater than that. Like, and I want to just lay something out here for you. When we have the Bible open to us, like we have black and white ink on paper, and in some, in the Gospels, you see some red ink. Those are the words of Jesus. And we have the written word to us, and that's the Greek word that's referred to as logos. It is the written word. But then we also have um, another word that's used that's called rhema, which is like a Holy Spirit quickened word, where the words begin to just be highlighted to you as you are reading the Logos, the Holy Spirit begins to cause a portion to jump out at you and just like stand out to you like it, like, uh, like kind of like a neon sign. It's like, oh my goodness, I've never seen that before. That would be likened to a rhema word. It's a Holy Spirit quickened word. And so faith comes in our life when we are by the Holy Spirit hearing the rhema word. And what's so amazing is God, um, God wants to reveal his character to us, but he does it incrementally. He does it in our life where he, he'll take you through a season and he's wanting to show you his character. He's wanting to show you who he is. And, and you may have thought you knew everything there was to know about God prior to this season, but he brings you into this place where he wants to now reveal a greater depth of who he is. And so I would, I would kind of make this comparison that this is our life being renovated. This is our house being renovated. That God, he establishes faith. Like when you come to Jesus, you, you are given a, a, a gift of faith, a persuasion, a strong confidence in Jesus that he is enough for your sin. He is enough for you to be forgiven, to be made new, and that your, your eternity would be in heaven and you would not have to pay the consequences for your sin. This is what God gives you as a great gift in Jesus when you come to him. So we all have faith in a, in a seed form. There is a, an initial place of starting. But th- see, what God does is he starts to renovate. He starts to expand. You know what? I think we're going to add on to your life. We're going to add on to your character. We're going to add on to, to who you are, to, for you to be established in a greater uh, understanding of who I am as God and the sufficiency of who I am in Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. He's wanting to do that. So what does he do? He causes this quickened word to come to you. He causes a truth that was always there to be revealed. It's called revelation. It's called understanding, where it's just like you're looking into the scriptures and they just jump off at you. 
And, but it's not just enough to then hear that revelation. You have to obey it. It's not just enough to hear this quickened word. You need to now apply it. Because the Holy Spirit, like I said, is expanding. And in order to do that, he has to lay a greater foundation. He's wanting to build a bigger house in the sense that he's wanting to build a big faith kind of lifestyle in you and in me. But he's not going to do that. He's not going to have a floating house with no foundation. He needs to have something to build upon. And so what does he do? He starts digging into the soils of our heart, into the soils of our soul, starts moving things out of the way. And he's like, hey, I want you to obey this truth I'm revealing to you. And when we do that, it builds, it pours that concrete of faith for him to now build his character upon and to establish his character upon in your life, in my life. Hopefully you're saying amen somewhere out there. But like I said, that we cannot, we cannot minimize the importance of obedience. Like Bonnie was talking about before in James, it says, let us not be just hearers of the word. We can't, you and I, in this time, in, in reality, at any time in history, but I think all the more at this time, you and I cannot afford to just be hearers of the word. And you think, Brian, I'm in quarantine. How am I supposed to apply this? Well, it's like you are actually in the fire of relational purification. You are in close proximity with other people. My goodness, there is so much to apply. I think this is a great opportunity. Like we've, we've done a series. I'm getting off my notes now, but we've been doing a series on finances right up until this point. We've been talking about generosity. We've been talking about stewardship. We've been talking about um, just miracles that God wants to do in our finances. I think now's the test. Now's the test to believe God. Maybe you've just lost your job. Maybe you've just been laid off. And maybe you're getting EI. That's great. But I want you to believe God for some miracle financial breakthrough. And I even want to challenge you to go even a step further. I want you to be generous in this time. But Brian, this is a time of lack. I want you to be listening to the Holy Spirit when he quickens you to say, I want you to give $20 to that person. I want you to e-transfer that to that person. Or they're doing that, that fundraiser over here. I want you to give to that. I want you to maybe buy extra groceries for somebody in your neighborhood, an older person who can't get out, who can't do their own grocery shopping. I want you to be thinking like that. And even in your place of lack, God is able to show himself so much stronger on your behalf and on my behalf when we're willing to obey him and trust him more than our current circumstances. Can you say amen? Hopefully you did. Hopefully you gave somebody a high five, a holy high five. Say it, amen. I want, you to, I want you to see this crazy story in Genesis chapter 22. And, um, you know, Abraham's referred to as the father of faith. And I think we, we have a lot to learn from him in this, in this story. In Genesis chapter 22, um, it says, Now it came about that after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take now your son, your only son. That's really important. I want you to remember that. In whom you love. Also, like if you're an underliner in your Bible, you need to underline that. That's very important. And we're going to get back to it as, as why that's so important. I want you to take your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Mor Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering. This is kind of creepy, to be honest, on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. Check this out. So Abraham rose early in the morning. 
He didn't put it off. Here's a Holy Spirit revealed word. And believe me, don't, this would be a horrible part for you to get out of this live stream. Okay, you do not want to quit now. We're going to make sense of this all. God's not down for, for Abraham killing Isaac. Okay, maybe that's a spoiler alert. If you've had, if you've, or maybe that should be a spoiler alert if you have not read the story, but God's not down for human sacrifice. I want you to know that. Okay, anyways, um, I totally got off where I was going. So Abraham rose early in the morning. He didn't put it off. He didn't wait. He's like, God's speaking. I'm obeying. So he rose early in the morning and he saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and he split wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him. On the third day, interesting, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey and I and I and the lad will go over there and we will worship and return to you. Interesting that obedience is, is interchangeable with worship. Just a little side note there. Abraham took the word, to, excuse me, Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. This is getting intense. So the two of them walked on together Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but there is, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. They came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar. This is intense, guys. On top of the wood, Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am, he said. Do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham raised his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. And it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. There's so much in the scripture, but there's a few points I want to just draw out for you. Um, Isaac was the son of promise to Abraham. It wasn't the son according to the flesh. Abraham had his own idea at how he was going to make the plan of God come about in his life because God had promised you're going to have a son. But then Abraham and Isaac, they start talking, or Abraham and Sarah, they start talking about how can we, how can this happen? We're too old. This isn't going to happen. We've got to take things into our own hands. And they had a son after the flesh, which was Ishmael. But see, now God has given him the son of promise. And it's a really important principle, principle for us all to understand that God will give you the promise, but he will also test your heart at the same time. Because if you start to worship the promise, you will, if, you, if you start to exchange your worship and your obedience for the promise instead of the promiser, you have made an idol out of even the gift of God. And you've substituted it. You substituted that place in your own heart for, for a thing of this world. Even, even if it is a promise of God, you've exchanged it 
instead of your heart being directly connected to God, you're now worshiping God with, with subpoints. Oh God, I'll worship you if you just keep this one area of my life. And I think it's so crazy that God is even testing Abraham in this place. The father of faith. Listen, if, you, if Abraham can be tested, you and I can be tested. Am I right? So he's testing Abraham. He's examining what's going on in his heart. He's even causing Abraham to see what is going on in his heart. And I think for a lot of us, this is what God is doing in this season. What's your foundation? What are you built upon? What are you trusting in? God is excavating the souls of our heart to examine our foundation. But I want you to know he is not doing this to condemn you. You are not feeling all these things because the enemy is triumphing over your life. If anything, God is allowing you to feel some of these current pressures that you are going through in order for you to turn to him for you to, and for this reality of God to be made established in your life, that he is more than enough. And we see this as this continues to go on. There was an aspect of, of God that Abraham didn't know. And there's aspects of God that you and I don't fully understand yet. This is so amazing that in this encounter, in this place of of radical obedience, in this place of radical surrender, God shows up and reveals something to Abraham that he is the Lord that provides. He is the Lord that goes ahead. This word actually refers to somebody going ahead and making preparation for somebody else to come and walk to. That this is the God we serve, that he has something for you. He has a promise for you. He has a revelation and understanding that he wants to establish in you, but we have to be willing to, to come alongside and cause our lives to be made into alignment with what he's trying to reveal. And that pours that foundation for God to build his character in our lives. Hopefully you're getting this. Hopefully this is encouraging. But this is why it's so, this story is so powerful. And I, and I believe that that as crazy as this story is, that you know God would, would ask Abraham to offer up his son, um, it's because years and years, decades, um, centuries later, even I don't even know the time frame, it may even be like thousands of years later, God offered up his only son, whom he loved. And I think about this story, it's just like Isaac's walking along, and he can probably imagine that that something is not right. This, this isn't like other times we've offered sacrifices to Yahweh. This isn't, this isn't like other times where we've built altars. Something's not quite right. He's even asking like, hey, um, Dad, I uh, <laughs> couldn't help but notice. We don't have anything to sacrifice. Where's the ram that we're going to sacrifice? And Abraham's saying in faith, like, man, we're, you know, God's going to provide. I believe he's going to do it. But we need to understand that God lovingly gave his only son. And Jesus stepped in to our life. He stepped into what it means to be human. He lived in the human form and lived a human life, just like you or I. What's so crazy is Isaac would have had to come to a place where he's like, "Um, Dad, I don't care how much old man strength you have. I could totally break free from all these by these, um, this rope that you're wrapping me up in. Isaac would have had to willingly get on that altar, considering Abraham's age. This is a beautiful thing about the gospel, is that Jesus came and willingly got on the cross 
for you and for me. He willingly stepped in and took on our sin, all of our sin, past, present, and future, so that we could know that God is the one who forgives, that God is the one who restores, that God is the one who makes all things new, that God is the one who provides. He was the one that provided Jesus to be that sacrifice, and he is the one who is able to provide for you today. If you're listening to this, um, man, if you're, if you're a Jesus person, that, that's amazing. But if you're watching this tonight and, and you don't know Jesus, I, I want to tell you that this, it's, it's not as hard as you think to give your life to Jesus. And I, I really do believe that God, by his spirit, is speaking to you even right now. Maybe, maybe if you would call yourself a Jesus person, God is speaking to you even right now and saying, hey, this area of your life, I want to dig a foundation. I want to expand your life. I want to build something on, on it. You're, but you're listening here tonight and you wouldn't know Jesus. I want you to know that he is, he is as close as the mention of his name. That his, his Holy Spirit is even with you right now. He's even speaking to you right now. And the, the word of God says in Romans 10, in verse 8 and 9, it says, but what does it say? The word is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus as Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, a person believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. You know, I I really believe that that what everything that I shared here tonight was for you. You're out there and, and God, God quickened this all to me and brought this all together. I was praying about this and, and studying the word of God. I really do believe that God has something for you tonight. And you might not be a Jesus person. And, and I want you to know that God loves you so much that God willingly sent his own son to die for your sin and to die for my sin so that we would never have to be apart again so that we could be brought back to our, our original design in close fellowship with God. We could have righteousness where we, are, we have a right standing before God, just as if we've never sinned. And we have salvation in which God begins to renew our life and he begins to heal us. But he also has a destiny and a place for us in heaven that you don't have to go to hell. You don't have to go to destruction, but you can spend eternity with God in heaven. And so if you're watching this tonight, I want you just to pray this simple prayer after me. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I give you all my life. I give you my sin, my past sin, my present sin, and my future sin. God, I want to follow you. I want to give my life to you. I want to obey you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you pray that prayer tonight, I would really encourage you to text prayer uh, to the number that was on the screen before. <laughs> totally forgot the number. Somebody's going to bring it up to me here in a sec. Um, you can text that prayer number. It should be in the comments, actually. So text prayer and just tell us your story. Tell us what God did in your life. But I want to speak to the believers out there, to the, the Jesus people out there. I want, this, I want this time to be a time where your faith is expanded. It's not shrinking back. That's not what we're made for. We're not made to shrink back, or our lives are made to be expanded. That your faith is meant to be established, and God is wanting to build his character strongly in a great way, in a magnificent way that demonstrates his character to the world around us. Hill City Church, I love you so much, 
And uh, thank you so much for your generosity and giving to uh, Mission Community Services. It's a great opportunity to see our city healed and for, for men to be equipped with some great life skills to be people that lead and make a difference in the community. Uh, the best is yet to come, Hill City. We are not done. The church is alive and uh, God's got some great plans for us. And I can't wait to see what these next several months are gonna look like and to see what's next. Love you so much. We'll talk later. Thanks for listening. We would love to hear how you have been impacted by this message. You can contact us at info at hillcity.ca or simply find us on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you.